0: Hello, my name is Simon Gallagher. Welcome to The Grid Podcast. This is a brand new podcast all about the electricity networks and how they're going to support us in the transition to net zero. designed for people within the industry who want to know how to get the most out of the electricity networks. Now, if my mum is the only person who ends up listening and commenting on this podcast, it will be a one-off. But assuming a few people do and they find it useful, I intend this to be a weekly podcast. So how this will work is every week, I will cover a topic related to the electricity grid in a lot of detail. And then we will cover some topical news in relation to electric vehicles, energy, and the grid. And we will get some guests on uh, future episodes. include SF6, why it's a problem, what we're doing with it, battery storage, the challenges around connecting that to the grid and the business case to justify it. And a whole other myriad of things that get electrical geeks like me excited. The inspiration for this podcast came from another podcast actually called The Substation, which is a brilliant podcast focused mostly on the economics and the trading around energy systems in the UK by two absolute experts in the field, Emma Burns and Thomas Edwards. I would encourage you to go and download that and have a listen as well. This week, we're going to cover something which is quite topical because Ofgem are about to make some changes, and it's the one thing that has the potential to hold up quite a lot of our electrification plans for transport and heat, and that is reinforcement of the electricity networks and how that's paid for. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? So let's get into reinforcement then. So I have a notional friend called Lisa and Lisa wants to connect to the high voltage electricity network. So the way that works today is any equipment that's needed to actually make that connection So for a high voltage connection, that will be a substation, which has got some cables, a transformer and some high voltage switchgear. That is all chargeable to Lisa. So Lisa pays the full cost of those what are called extension assets. But that's only part of the bill and that's levied by the distribution network operator. The other half of the bill is for any reinforcement that's required. So Lisa wants 10 MVA for her Let's call the factory. The electricity network, the cables that supply the street where Lisa wants to connect, can only supply 5 MVA. And clearly, that's a problem. And that's probably because the cables aren't big enough but it also could be because the transformers back in the primary substation don't have the capacity. So the DNO, the distribution network operator, will have to overlay the cables with bigger cables or replace the transformers back in the switchboard or install a new switchboard, whatever that is that needs to be done to increase the capacity to allow Lisa to take her 10 MVA. Now, the theory behind this is that Lisa will pay for a certain percentage of the reinforcement costs. The DNO will foot the rest, but actually when the DNO foots anything, what happens in reality is all the customers pay for it because the DNO socializes that cost across all the other customers. So in this case the DNO has to lay bigger cables and the cost to the DNO to lay those bigger cables which include digging up the street, laying the cables, testing them, commissioning them. The cost is hundred thousand pounds, quite a lot, but it's hundred thousand pounds. Those new assets that reinforcement has now created a new capacity on that section of the network which is 20 MVA. Now, if you remember, Lisa only wants 10. So how the split of who pays for what is worked out with what's called the cost apportionment factor. And basically, it gets us to a place where the new capacity is used as the reference. And however much of the new capacity the customer wants to utilize, they pay that percentage of the bill. So in our case, the new capacity is 20 MVA. Lisa wants 10mva so Lisa will pay half of the total reinforcement costs which is 50,000 pounds half the 100,000 pounds but of course the remainder of the 50,000 pounds has to be paid for somehow and in this case the DNO will pay for it initially but the DNO will recover that money from all other customers and how this happens in practice is the DNOs get their money from what's known as geos the distribution use of system charge and this is levied to every electricity bill in the UK uh, typically it makes up about 90 pounds of a domestic electricity bill and this is the the regulated amount that Offgem allows the DNO to charge every customer and a portion of that regulated amount is set aside for reinforcement for customers like this. Now, this arrangement was designed in a time where cost was the main driver for Offgem. Offgem's only remit was to reduce costs for all customers. so. By using this methodology, it incentivized new connecting customers to connect to parts of the network that already had capacity. Now, that made sense because factories, even housing developments and things like that have what is known as locational flexibility, where if it doesn't suit to connect to one part of the network because there's no capacity, in theory, they could connect in a different location. This meant that the total cost passed on to other customers was kept under control because the connecting customer had to pay a significant proportion of it now there are drawbacks to this arrangement it is a bit random so if you happen to connect to a piece of the network that has capacity you effectively get it for free but if you use up that capacity the next customer to come along ends up paying for increased capacity so it's a bit random and you could argue is not fair And there has been arguments for years, especially for people like housing developers, to change this methodology because parts of industry feel it is holding back economic development. Something has changed recently though. We are about to go through the biggest transition to our electricity network since a supergrid was built back in the 1950s. What's going to drive this change? Well, two main big major factors in my view and both are related to net zero. So the first one is heat pumps. So the government has set a massive target of delivering 600,000 heat pumps per year in an effort to get us towards net zero. So these heat pumps will put significant pressure on the electricity distribution networks that is going to require significant reinforcement. The second thing is the ban on internal combustion engine cars by 2030. So again, Electric vehicles have the potential, we have the technology to deal with this, but they have the potential to be disruptive to the electricity networks. And just as a, as, a, as a way to imagine this or a way to picture this in your mind, whenever we design electricity networks for housing developments, we will allocate between one and two kilowatts per house now an electric vehicle can usually consume seven kilowatts when it's charging on a domestic charger and an electric um, heat pump can consume um, double that so you can see very quickly if you've got 10 houses on a street each consuming seven kilowatts each Comparing that to an ordinary house, which only consumes two, there is going to be some issues and reinforcement will be needed. Offgem have identified that the current charging regime, which the customer pays a portion and the rest of us pass on to other customers, has got a big potential to block or prevent our transition to net zero by 2050. And this is because... Electric vehicles and heat pumps and these things, it's not really flexible where you can connect to. People just will need to have these things in their houses. So the randomness of, well, some people can get the capacity free and some people can't. There's evidence out there that that is putting people off investing in this technology, which is clearly going to be needed. An example is motorway service area. So for example, Beaconsfield on the M4 has got multiple high powered chargers on there, but there's actually no capacity left in the local electricity network there to increase it. Now, as any electric vehicle drivers will know who you are who you use that place, it is always usually queued with electric vehicles to use the high-power chargers. But because there's no more capacity, whoever installs the next chargers on there are going to have to pay a big portion of a bill for the reinforcement and clearly we can't put the beaconsfield chargers anywhere else they need to be on the m4 to address this problem Off are proposing the biggest shake-up of reinforcement charging in quite some time these changes will take effect from the 1st of april 2023 and what they mean essentially is that for load only connections so this could be an ev charging hub it could be a housing development it could be a factory as long as there's no export from that site then all reinforcement costs will be paid for by the dno so the connecting customer won't actually pay for any reinforcement so the people who are involved in this will realize that is a major change. Now, there is one caveat in that it will be subject to a high cost cap. Basically, if you try and connect on top of a mountain where there's literally no electricity networks anywhere nearby, and it would cost millions and millions to build a 132kb circuit there and all that would go with that. In those cases, then the customer would pay for the full reinforcement cost, and that's to protect... The wider customer base for paying unreasonable sums for unreasonable developments. Now, OffGem forecast this would only affect 5% of all connections. So they have looked at old connection offers from the DNOs and they have drawn the line at the 95th percentile in terms of cost. We don't know what that number will be, but we don't think it's going to affect most connections. So a massive change. And what that will mean in practice is that that will unlock a lot of developments. Now, the charging methodology will also change for generation, but that's slightly more complicated. So at the minute, generation operates the same as demand where the cost is apportioned for reinforcement. But in the future, the cost apportionment will only apply to reinforcement at the same Voltage level as the connection. So, a 33 kV solar development connecting on the 33 kV network, say for example, the DNO had to restring the overhead line, that reinforcement cost would be cost apportioned how it is today, but the voltage tiers above would be excluded. So, the connecting customer only has to pay for the reinforcements on the voltage level they are connecting to. So again, that will unlock a lot of developments, especially on a thirty-three kV network where 132 kV reinforcement costs are very high. Currently they're levied to the customer, but that will that will end after April. Now, what this means is that the reinforcement costs will disappear from housing developments, factories, distribution centers, and the costs of this reinforcement will be picked up by all customers, subject to the high cost cap I discussed earlier. Now, my own view in this is that Ofgem have done some modeling that says that other people's electricity bills won't rise very much because, of course, someone has to pay for this. I do think that Ofgem may have undercooked this because what they've done is they have looked at the, all the d and connection offers that were not accepted. And said, "Well, you know, it's not that much reinforcement. Isn't putting off that many customers? But I think what's been missed there is that a lot of developers are quite savvy, and there's a lot of people out there who do look at the electricity networks and they know well. There's no point even applying in this in this location. So I don't think Offgem have a full picture of what this will mean. But it is very good news for." housing developers it is good news for ev full court operators ev charge point operators and anybody really who needs big connections that would have paid very high reinforcement costs. the major issue i see with this however is not everyone will be able to get everything they want all of a sudden so at the minute the constraint for some of this stuff revolves around cost if you need a primary substation to supply your ev charging hub it probably won't go ahead now in the new world that primary substation will be funded by the DNO, but the DNO and all the ICPs out there do not have the capacity to all of a sudden build significant amounts of network for everybody all at the same time. So the constraint will move from cost to time scales and resource availability. So actually those customers or those developers who want connections in the near future, which is quite a lot of people, actually they will still be chasing capacity available capacity now on the network because although they might get their reinforcement for free it may take years to get that reinforcement so capacity on the network is still a big issue no matter how we look at this now just to finish off the discussion on the reinforcement there's just some nuances that I should get across so the first thing is is that reinforcement today is subject to what's called a voltage rule so where you're helping fund reinforcement you only fund it at the voltage level you're connecting to and one voltage level above the voltage levels above that you do not contribute to today so if you're connecting at 11 kb so our friend lisa has connected 11 kv she will pay the cost apportioned reinforcement for the 11kb network if there's some on the 33kb networks you would pay for that the other thing is is that there is a set of regulations called the eccr regulations and what these mean is that if you do part fund reinforcement or you pay for the extension assets so the substations if a customer comes along within 10 years and uses those same assets then you will get a portion of that paid back so the dno will take a percentage of the connecting customer for using the assets that you have funded and they will refund that to you so those regulations will also need change so that's the end of the discussion on reinforcement if you're still listening congratulations that was quite a a niche area to talk about but it is is an area that is going to impact the net zero journey for sure which is why off are making this decision and as a reminder these changes will come into effect from the 1st of april 2023 so we do expect a lot of development in around that time and actually off are worried that people will put off applying for connections until after the first of april so it looks like off are going to extend the time skills that dno's can reply to requests for connections so like i said earlier there's going to be a huge Huge time constraint around all of this. So on to some topical news items then. So the chief executive of Ofgem was up in front of a select committee recently in the House of Commons and he did say some very interesting things there. So the first one that I thought we'd talk about is that he revealed 200 million is the balance of credit that the suppliers have lost that have went bust. These 30 suppliers who went into administration all had the combined credit balance for the customers of 200 million so that money in effect is lost because it's got it's been absorbed by those companies administration so because that money is actually protected that 200 million will now be recovered from all other customers through the DNOs, actually who will have put this cost this 200 million spread on everyone's electricity bills through adjusting the GEOS payments. We have actually seen GEOS rise in the recent price cap calculations offGM did, and that is to recover this money under the supplier of last resort scheme, which is related to another story. So obviously the chancellor last week announced this I think they're calling it a loan scheme or a rebate, but basically because electricity bills have ended up, or well, energy bills in general, have ended up about 50%, that's gas and electricity for a, a dual fuel user, then people will struggle to pay these bills. So as part of the package, the chancellor announced a, a loan or a rebate where from October this year, the government will essentially give the suppliers 200 pounds per customer to discount from their final bills. That £200 will be recovered in the future over four or five years by recovering that from people's electricity bill. This has proved to be controversial, however, because people are saying, well, for the more well-off, Why are we doing this? Why are we borrowing money from the future? A second criticism is that people will end up paying this money back, perhaps, that didn't get the benefit. So if someone's living at home right now, they buy their first house in two years' time, the theory is that they will see this levy on the electricity bill, but they never got the benefit of the money In the first place so all sorts of issues around this and really it hasn't been spelled out how this is going to operate in practice my own view is that simply the 200 pounds will be transferred to the suppliers and then every MPAN will get this levied from them in the future so it's not it's not a personal loan you know it's more complicated than that but we need to see the detail really to understand how this is going to work a lot of people have been saying, well, why don't we just reduce the VAT on electricity bills or gas bills? Well, really, VAT is 5% of our energy bills, so that's around £90 a year. So really, reducing the VAT was never really going to make a big difference. The scale of the rises in wholesale costs, which are you know 100% cost in the recent price cap calculations and wholesale costs, a reduction of 90 pounds in the year from vat was really not going to help anybody so the government was in a way forced down an avenue where they had to do something very big which unfortunately involved a lot of money which gives us another tenuous link to france so in france they have seen bills increase by four percent so what's the difference in france where they're seeing four percent increases and the uk where we are seeing 50% increase as well. The big difference in France is EDF, electricity to France. Now, in full transparency, I did work for EDF Energy in the UK whenever they owned the electricity distribution networks in the southeast that are now owned by UK power networks. But what's happened in France is EDF is still, I think is 75% owned by the state and the balance is actually on the stock market. And what the French government have told the and they still treat them like a state company, Um, they have told them you must not allow prices to end customers to rise by more than 4%. This does ignore the fact that this money has to come from somewhere. EDF have said publicly that this will cost them €8 billion. Now, that's that's a lot of money, and it has to come from somewhere. And this also ignores the fact that EDF needs to find €50 over the next few years, well, the next decade, to refurbish the nuclear reactors in France because they're they're all getting quite old. So really, EDF's in a terrible place here, where they're sort of a, a commercial company, so they're on the stock market, but they're being treated as a state-owned company. It's the worst of both words there. And, and there is a lot of talk EDF will be brought under full state control. The reason why EDF isn't under full state control is because back in 2005, the French government did an IPO and sold some of the shares because he wanted to get away from... I think at the time it was described as a as a civil service type culture and bring a bit of transparency and a bit of commercial aggressiveness to how they treated the costs. Of course, the big problem for France is although 70% of the electricity comes from nuclear energy, the price of electricity is still dictated by the marginal price of gas, just because that's how the markets in Europe are set. So really... France will probably look to change that, um, especially because they are now going down the, the nuclear renaissance and that is it that's the end of the podcast hopefully there's still people listening apart from my mum if you're there, mum hello um, tell your friends tell people in the industry that if we want to track progress in the electricity networks on our journey to net zero in what is going to be the biggest change we go through in the electricity industry for the last 90 years then please subscribe please share please talk about it look me up on linkedin drop me a line drop me an email If you want to come on the show, if you want to hear something or you want to ask a question, thank you very much.